Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, uh, coming to you on Thursday, the 16th of August. Yes. Boom. Happy birthday, Madonna. Happy birthday, Madonna. She's 60. I know. Um, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, we'll, we'll talk about her a little bit later, uh, in the show, but Aretha Franklin, uh, passed today and she was 76, which is obviously, you know, it's not super young, but like in your head, I couldn't decide, like, did I think Aretha Franklin was older than that or younger than that? Because she's been around yeah. for so long, and she started performing at such an early age that you can kind of forget. And so in my head, it was like, 76, like, that actually feels like young. It's it younger it, than I would have thought Aretha, Aretha Franklin Especially, is. too, like, in the context, and don't want to do all the Aretha material now, but, like, in the context of it, it just feels like Aretha Franklin had been around for like more than 16 years of Madonna's life. You know what I mean? Like it fe- it feels like she was doing things for much longer than say the 60 years. Like it seems like there should have been like more she had, lo- she had a longer than a 16 yes. year head start. Yes, on exactly. Uh, but well, congratulations to Madonna for turning 60 and still getting out there and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so still a hell of a performer. She is. Uh, I've never seen Madonna, but I would. If given the opportunity, just to just to go, yeah, you, you know, know it's what? one of those deals. I've actually noticed too, because like you know, we're we're now at an age where we have the ability to really see how things that we grew up with, Brian, have aged. Madonna's music, especially the early stuff, has aged extremely well. Yeah, I think like you know, you I mean, for like straight pop, right? You know, what it is, yeah, but absolutely, it's it's aged. I, I you know the early, especially the early stuff, early to mid eighties, the borderline, the crazy for you, right? Like, I think when that I, stuff has aged extremely by, well. By comparison, for example, the other day I'm driving home and the kids are, are really into Ready Player One. Both my boys are, love Ready Player One, so when they, they like they like the music and it's filled with eighties stuff. Um, and they're like, they always in the car, they're like, play Ready Player One. So I'll pull up songs, found some playlist or whatever. And one of them was the safety dance by men without hats. Mm-hmm. I like that song. I think it's fun. I enjoy it. It is objectively not something that holds up terribly well and it also confused the hell out of my oldest who didn't understand why you shouldn't be friends with other people's friends just because they don't dance actually he felt like that was a really bad reason not to be you start breaking down the lyrics of that song and the demands that men without hats put on the rest of their friends purely through dancing or not dancing like they they tell you in that song dump your friends right they don't walk away from your friends at least if you're gonna be be hanging out with me like, you have a I mean, choice. You can hang out with your non-dancing friends, or you can hang out with me because your friends who don't dance are no friends of mine. It's kind of like F off, man, without hats. It's like, very footloose. You know how, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, there there are people who, in high school and college, I was one of these people that had a bunch of friends from a bunch of different cliques. Like, I didn't really have one permanent clique. I just floated from click to click to click and kind of got along with everybody. Men without hats were not them. No. Like they had one very specific click. <laughs> they the dancing they roll, right? They roll the people yes. who dance. Like you, they never strayed At outside the very, their it's circle. Very, it's, it's, it's Fight Club. It's you know rule number one: you dance or you're not with us. Speaking so, of, by the but way, anyway, Men Without Hats, good example of a, of a song that I like. Doesn't hold up. Speaking, by the way, too of '80s music and stuff that does hold up. Uh, the song Cars by Gary Newman, which yes. I really enjoy. A couple days ago, 
my daughter was just randomly singing lyrics from that song. Like, she doesn't know all the words. And was like, nah, 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 but in cars. cars. Doo-doo. And I'm like, how do you know that she's seven? I said, how do you know that song? And I, I actually played the real song. I'm like, is this, is this what you're thinking of? And she's like, yeah. How do you know that? From a Walmart commercial? Yeah, sad. Well, no, but here's what was great, though. I tweeted about that. You know, like the excited moment that w- when you hear your seven-year-old singing cars and then the more deflated moment upon realizing she learned it from a Walmart commercial. Walmart, you know, blue check verified Walmart, retweeted my tweet with like the the feeling when you realize you're delivering more than just boxes. That's right. That was kind of awesome. Walmart also posted uh, far better than expected earnings this week. So they were in a good mood, and the stock was up, I think, 9 or 10%. Yeah, that explains why so, their social media director right, was feeling a little loosey-goosey. Loosey-goosey there, <laughs> um, delivering boxes. And it was driven, I believe, in part by uh, their online branch. Engagement. Right. So No, not engagement. Their actual online sales. Oh, okay. Competing with Amazon. So, again, they were feeling very, uh, very good about themselves over at Walmart, mm-hmm. all the way down to the social media folks. Um, anywho... What were we going to talk about today? Lakers. Lakers, right. I forgot. Um, a lot to get. We haven't recorded in a couple weeks. Um, we're in that sort of dead period where really genuinely nothing is happening in the NBA. We, it's not even a cliche. Like, people are on vacation. They're not available. They're not at the facility. Like, nobody's around. Um, but there's still a few things. Like, we haven't even had a chance to really talk about the schedule. And uh, you and I both wrote about this. For the athletic and which everybody should subscribe to, you totally should. I believe you can still get discounts. I can't mm-hmm. promise anybody T-shirts. At it this is, time. I believe, three twenty-five a month. Come on, so three twenty-five. You know, if, if I may uh, channel my Sally Struthers for the price of one <laughs> cup of coffee. That's right. You can get this type of coverage per month. Every city, it's good stuff. How many people listening to this podcast know who Sally Struthers is at this point? I don't know the same people who understood what we were talking about with Aretha Franklin and early Madonna. <laughs> no, 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 no. People know who Madonna is, and they know. But the Sally Struthers is a much more. Mario, do you know who Sally Struthers is? Mario's not listening anymore. It's okay. He turned it off. That happens. Uh, <laughs> So the schedule's out, and it's one of those deals where it loops into, to me, Andy, it loops into basically all the discussions that we've been having about the Lakers since LeBron signed. You break down the schedule, you look at it, oh man, they they have a really tough, I think it's nine of the first uh, 11 opponents are legitimate playoff teams. Like all that kind of, all these little things. February is brutal. The end of the season, six of the last eight games are against teams they might yep. be fighting with to play in the play. All of these things get back to the basic stuff where we're trying to figure out exactly what this team is. And I think the hardest part about it is like you look around the Western Conference, and both of us have made this point. It Once you get past Golden State, I still have Houston a little bit better than coming back to the field, but still a little bit better than the rest of the, of the conference. 65 down to 55 or whatever it might be. And then I th- I, I would make the case for Utah as a, as a clear number three. I think Utah's going to be better than Houston. They could. I think that I, that's an argument you can make. Four. Okay, see. Okay. I think I, continuity. You is, would think. Continuity and simplicity, I think, is Right. No, con- not having Mello. Not having Mello in there. We're going to talk a little bit about Mello later. That's going to make things so much simpler. For OKC in a way that they're going to benefit a lot from. Somebody else might put the Lakers there. Somebody else might put San Antonio there with a healthy whatever. Pelicans. The Pelicans. However you want to do it. There are are other options. Denver, I think, is a team that could win 52 games, 53 games if everybody's healthy. But sort of at its core, you can argue about the teams. Once you get to four, 
you can argue five, six teams being there. All the way down to 11, and I think Memphis is the 11th team that people are forgetting about because if Mike Conley and uh, Marcus Gasol are, are both healthy, they did make some quietly good, you know, Justin Anderson came from San Antonio to Memphis is one of these like plus minus all-stars. Like he just, he's one of the, you know, he's that guy. He's uh, Marcus Smart on Boston who, despite weird stats, is just a plus minus monster. Like, if they're healthy, I don't think they make the playoffs, but they're a real live big boy team that would be a will be a pain in the butt to play and all that stuff. So there are eleven legitimate teams in the conference. All of them have track records of one form or another where you can look at it and say you know what they are, either from last year's performance or two years ago in the case of Memphis, except the Lakers, because they don't. Like this Le- we know what they are without LeBron, but we don't know what it looks like with LeBron. Um and so that makes handicapping analyzing the schedule, grading the over-unders, looking at the summer forecast for ESPN, really difficult. And a lot of I think Lakers fans are taking it personally when they shouldn't. No, I mean, the, the West is brutal. It's just, and you, it's fitting in a lot of ways to me that they would open the season in Portland, a place where the Lakers have been lately awful. I don't, I don't think they've, they have not won a game against the Blazers home or road, I think in the last 15 tries. Like the last, I yeah, they won a game. I, but you're right. No, the, I, mean, I only know. I only know. They looked it up. Well, no, no. I only know it because last week I, I was uh, on Spectrum, and the, they noted that the last time the Lakers beat the Blazers, Wes Johnson was still on the team. They they ran this. They ran this inbound play where Johnson ended up getting a dunk. Um, it, I mean, this is the Mike D'Antoni period. Like, I'm, I think Kent Bazemore was still on the team. But you know, days. Well, you know how long ago it's this been was. A while. And, no, it's well, been a while. in the period that it was, when you're when you're setting up game winning plays for Wes Johnson, it's it's been a minute or two, and it's fitting in a lot of ways. Even though it's it's strange that the Lakers with LeBron would open on the road. I think everybody expected that they would open at home. It's, yeah, it's well, a log- the Lakers haven't opened on the road since 2005. Right. It's the logical place to put the Lakers. Is particularly with LeBron, you open their season at Staples Center. Right. But in a lot of ways, it's fitting and emblematic that they would open out of the shoot against a difficult opponent in a difficult venue because that's what they're going to be facing all year. Well, yeah, and and I I think when you look at these the the, the way it breaks down, like December is a little softer, January is Dece- sort of normal, February is brutal. Like the, when people talk about like I, I I have them right at fifty. If I if you if you had to make me, you know, gun to the head, you know, with, or is it more likely they finish over 50 or under? I would take the under. I would definitely uh, take the under. I mean, I think the, 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 I'm being a li- probably a game or two optimistic with 50, but it's all of LeBron's teams when he moves start, they have that start, slow start. You know, in Miami, it was a really BFD because they, you know, were going upstairs and Pat Riley had to say, no, Eric Spolster's like, like it got kind of ugly there, but that was a slow start because it took a while to integrate what they were doing. First time back in Cleveland, that was a bit of a you know that that team got off to a slow start and then they they got rolling and it was better. And then you know last year they got, they got off to a slow start because the team was terrible. <laughs> yes, and then LeBron just started playing superhuman basketball and they got a little better. Um, but a ten and ten start in the West is going to make it almost impossible to get to fifty because you know the Lakers aren't going to go do the math for me. You know to get to to get to fifty forty and you know. 40 and 
20 the rest of the way, 42 and 20 the rest of the way against, against that competition. I just think that's too high a bar to clear. And, you know, if you, that space between four and 10, four and 11 could be four games, I think five it's, games. I think it's going to be most. exactly like it was last season where the distance between the three seed and Portland and Denver, who didn't make, make it. it. Denver won 46 games. Didn't right. It was, it was, uh, three games. Yeah. And I think we're going to see, Another, I think you're going to see a lot of cannibalizing of each other. I think these teams are just going to be beating the crap out of each other. It's interesting that you identified December because that is a month that the Lakers have they to better do some win. damage. Between November 30th and December 30th, they have games Dallas at home, Phoenix at home, Memphis away, Miami at home, Charlotte away, Washington away, Brooklyn away, Memphis at home, Sacramento away, Clippers home, Sacramento at home. And the Lakers should be better or equal to all of all those, those teams. teams. They need to rack up wins in December. Let me ask you a question. Other than Sacramento, I think he's in the, 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 the king stink on him. Are there? Well, they could use another big man. Right. <laughs> are there any? They're like that, that team, like when you remember like Nintendo hockey, mm-hmm. where you could choose skinny guy, medium guy, big fat guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you just went. They did that Nintendo hockey thing with their entire roster yes, and just chose big guys. The Kings stink and the stink of Lottie's cigarettes. That's so, what's all over that team. Other than that team, which I just don't get that, what that thing is, um, Phoenix has... They're not going to be so, good, but they should be better. Better, very bouncy. They've got some intriguing talent. And Aiton looked pretty good in the Summer League. And Devin Booker's very good. And I like T.J. Warren. And, you know, you got like last year, at the very least, they were trying very hard to lose games by the end of the year. So, you know, they've added Trevor Ariza, who will help them. They're not going to be good, but they, they're not going to be trash. He's an expensive babysitter, man. Fifteen like, million for well, a year. because they brought him in a lot for culture, sure, and he's great for that stuff. Trevor's a terrific teammate. We both really enjoyed covering. Imagine him. Imagine if he could deliver LeBron; he would have got another <laughs> two or three million out of it. Um, you know, but like Dallas with um, you know guys coming back a little healthier. They added Doncic. They you know they've got another uh, with uh, what's, Dennis Smith. With Dennis Smith, like. Most people think they're going to be a little bit better. I think like, people are overrating Dallas. Maybe. I don't think they're going to be good at all. I, 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 I'm more with you than other people, but there are people out there who be like, not good, but not trash. Like, there's a difference between a competitive bad. That's team. what the Lakers were. That's what last the Lakers year. were last. The year, Lakers were. And it stretches the year before. The Lakers were not a good team last year, but they weren't a bad team. No, they, no, they weren't trash. Three years ago, <laughs> like you know, like eighteen games. Like for example, when you're running game-winning plays for Wesley Johnson, that's your team is probably trash at that point. Um, and so, like, even you go down the conference, like you know, we we like to make fun of the Eastern Conference, and you know, it's not that there aren't good teams. I think the better argument against the East isn't that there aren't good teams. It's not impossible. If weird things happen to to uh, Golden State this year that Boston could win a title. You know, if Kawhi is healthy. Toronto is going to be very good. Like that's going to be a really hard team to score against. Um, uh, Philly, just the natural improvement of Embiid and Simmons, and and bringing that group back together. If Fultz is a functional player this year, it's like they've added a good free agent. Um, how long is Zaire Smith out? I'm not sure. Uh, that sucks. Like you, I mean, on the one hand, it's got to be neat to be drafted by the Sixers and you're going to join that group. But you know something bad is going to happen. It's, it's like, kind of what they do. It's like being drafted by Final Destination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know something bad is going to happen to you. I do think Fultz is going to be better, though. I agree. I, I actually I agree. I think, I think people have written off Markel Fultz way too easily he and had way too quickly. Last year when he came back, where he was yeah. like, "Oh, okay, I get it." Yeah. I mean, it's it is. I know there were there was a lot of attention paid 
to him being taken out of the rotation during the playoffs for Philly, it is difficult to be thrown into a playoff rotation as a rookie when you've barely played in the regular season. No, I agree season. with you. That's tough. He's going to come back, and they, they, and they he's going to fill, I think, Especially for a team for that. that wasn't just happy to be there. I mean, Philly no, they was were trying to win something. Exactly. Um, so, you feel like, I think Indiana is a, is, is going to sneak up on people just because they were good last year. They've gotten, they added some good talent in the offseason, and just people just don't think of Indiana as a good team. Milwaukee is a competitive team. Um, you know, so you got six teams. Well, in theory, Milwaukee is. I mean, right. they, they have the ability. They have talent. They, have, they are a talented team. Yeah. So, I think the new that, coach is going to help. Is that five or six teams that I named? Five. Okay. So there are five like legitimate teams in that conference. The problem with there is like after that, you know, there are a bunch of free wins. You play the Knicks before Porzingis gets back, you know, around Christmas. They're not good. They don't have good players. Um, you know, just keep going down. Orlando is still Orlando. I mean, like they have all Brooklyn of these. Is still Brooklyn not is still good. not great. They play hard. They're going to get better. They're going to be but they're not pretty good, good in three, but they're not good yet. You know, the, Charlotte is not, not a good, good. Team. Um, Atlanta. Atlanta's terrible. You know, you have these teams at the bottom the of the Bulls conference. are god-awful. And whereas in the West, even the, the lottery teams, the teams that you look at and you know that, like Memphis, I think they're going to be in the lottery. I don't know. But, like, Phoenix is not going to be Atlanta. It's not going to be a night off. Correct. That's. I mean, that's the difference. Atlanta, you know, <laughs> assuming you don't pay, you know, Assuming you don't get too caught up in the Atlanta nightlife, it's like the secret. It's the Atlanta's secret weapon is that players love being out in Atlanta. Oh yeah. But assuming you don't get caught up in that, Atlanta is a night out. Yeah. I mean, that or night off and a night out. Um, you know, and so that when you look at at the Lakers, and then this gets into something else that you wrote. You know, it, it's for the athletic, right? Which you can subscribe to and should subscribe and so to. should subscribe to because uh, the content is excellent. Yes, it is. You know, particularly when, this piece you're about to reference. When you when you sit there and you look at the Lakers and you say, oh, seven seed, that is so disrespectful. You could be saying, I think they're going to win 47 games, which is a, 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 a totally defensible win total, and finish seventh at the conference, yes. which is three games behind, you know, the, thir- the three seed. Yes. And like three, you know, so it's like it, you, if you want to say they're going to win 40 games this year, that's probably if everybody's healthy. That's not a great take. No, last year's team, if they had stayed, stayed healthy, would have gotten closer. And they didn't have an all-star. Have. And, you know, so you add LeBron, lose Julius Randle, which I think people underrate in terms of the productivity that they're losing in the rotation. But whatever. You add LeBron, okay. Speaking I, of Randle, by the way, because I, I agree with you, his absence is is being underrated, particularly for a team that their biggest hole is at center. And Randle... And, and, and Lopez, in that right. regard, too. They lost two guys that played... You know, and Lopez was in and out in terms of his effectiveness. Still a pretty decent right. player. And Randall was more than decent last year from starting. He was their exactly. best player. Um, they're going to be about two months into the season before the first time they play the Pelicans. It'll be at Staples Center. That game could potentially be a referendum on the first mistake of the Magic Palinka era. Let's let's save the Randall thing because because just because I think it's a longer conversation and it's one of the ones that I feel very passionate about. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I just and you look at the rest of the of the team and the rotation. It's like we have the memory of playoff Rondo in our heads. Um, I think in terms of how good he's going to be on this team, the biggest. Advantage to having Rondo is the Lakers didn't have a backup point guard last year that was really functional. No. This year they will. Yeah. Um, but 
if you think that if in your head, oh, Rondo was awesome last year. No, playoff Rondo was awesome last year. Regular season Rondo wasn't nearly as awesome. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't good at, at long stretches. So which guy did the Lakers get? When you when you have to replace two important members of the rotation in Lopez and and, and uh, um, Randall, put all that stuff together, it really is difficult to forecast where this team is. And I understand why Kevin Pelton has forty one wins or whatever in the computer projections, and some people are over fifty. They're the only team in the Western Conference who's going to get that kind of range. There's in, no template, right? You, you have no. You have nothing really to base it on other than a belief in LeBron. And I guess if you're like you and me. A belief Even that the, the kids that, that they're really ready to be support. They're ready to be in support of LeBron as opposed to the veteran that you know the the, the suicide oh, they squad. Better, that they got better be. In. They better be better. Oh no, the it, Lakers. If the Lakers have to rely on Stevenson, Beasley, Rondo, and all that stuff for really things went really. They badly. are not going to win fifty games. No, I mean be, they're be, not. Beyond that, you you don't even know. You really have to start questioning what the roster is going to be. Forget next season by right. January. Yeah, the, those will not. The older guys will not be the guys. The veteran guys will not be the what drives them to fifty games. But that that factor before we get to LeBron is interesting too because with Brandon Ingram last year, I spent a lot of time going into the season going you know, going. People call us, hey, can you talk about the Lakers? Go on another station, whatever it is. And they always talk about Ingram, whose numbers as a rookie were terrible, particularly mm-hmm. advanced metrics. He was one of the worst players in the NBA just looking at those metrics. And so people would say, oh, Ingram was a real disappointment. I would have to explain to them, if you watch the kid play, the numbers weren't good. I agree with you. But if you watch him play, every night he would do something. Would go, yep. Okay, I get it. That's that thing. Th- those two things he just did. He's going to be very good. And I think last year that proved true. Like he improved a great deal. I think he's going to keep getting better. Sometimes that eye test works. Like you know, you just have to see it. Other times, though, it can it can kind of bias you towards what you're looking at. So I agree with you. I think the young players, Ingram, Kuzma, uh, Lonzo, to a good and you know Hart, who I, I feel is totally legit, will make project will be better than some of the projections say. The flip side of that is though. Familiar, that same familiarity might also get me to overrate No question. Them. No question. Um, and then, then you get to the LeBron puzzle, finally. And you wrote about this uh, for The Athletic, which you can subscribe to. <laughs> <laughs> How the Lakers plan to use him. Like, I think this stuff with, like, running and small ball five and all that kind of stuff. People, oh, you don't want LeBron to run. And I actually think you do. And I think you can find a way, you know, they've obviously put a premium on guys being able to handle the ball instead of him, which get him the ball closer to the basket, mm-hmm. easier to score. That's clearly the plan here. And LeBron can run all day. That's not going to make him tired. That's not going to wear him down. It's the physical demands of of running an offense and, and doing that kind of stuff that will in the half court. But the other thing is, how much do they want to play him? Yeah, the, the, I wrote about this for the Athletic, and I really did a set you up there. Yes, I really <laughs> did a deep dive into LeBron's minutes, and, and obviously, people are aware, like the that, Scrooge McDuck Jeff, right? Exactly. People <laughs> people are aware that LeBron, you know, led the league in minutes last year at almost thirty seven per game, and total minutes, you know, en route to leading that team to the finals, because that's all everybody talked about was that LeBron was constantly on the floor in his fifteenth season, but. It didn't. It kind of got overshadowed that he also led all players in minutes per game for the playoffs, almost forty-two a night, and in total minutes, 
or that he led the league in minutes per game in the previous season, in the regular season. Or, for example, <laughs> he, he led all t- players in total minutes in the 2017 playoffs while averaging 41 minutes a night. He has, since making the playoffs, you know, then this began, by the way, when George Bush was starting his second term. He's only twice averaged fewer than 40 minutes per game in the playoffs. Then I started looking right, at... He's made, you're saying he's like over his... What is it? Is it his 15th year? This, this, is, this, since, this is since the 2006, right, I believe, when he playoffs. first started making the playoffs. Right. His first couple of years... First couple of years, years he did he not. Make, so right. the, the 2006 playoffs, he... This is an uninterrupted streak. He has only averaged fewer than 40 minutes per game twice in that period of often very deep playoff runs. Then I started looking at where LeBron ranks all time for minutes played. And he is currently now 18th all-time for regular season minutes, 44,298. And then I looked at the active players. Yeah, it's a staggering amount of minutes in and of itself. I looked at the active players nearest to LeBron on that list. Dirk Nowitzki, Joe Johnson, Vince Carter, Jason Terry, Pau Gasol. Like, these are all guys that are nowhere close to even 30-minute-per-night players at this stage of their career. And the player closest to LeBron on the list who had a even remotely comparable workload as LeBron last season, was Mello. He averaged 32 minutes a night for the Thunder. But he's only... Yeah. Explain some things. <laughs> yeah. But he is only 47th all-time for regular season minutes. 64... Sixty point being No, no, no. I want, I want to keep going. All right. Because I really want to drive this home. I don't I think, think you have. <laughs> no, 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 no. It gets, it gets even more staggering. He had like 6,400 fewer regular season minutes than LeBron. Wait, there's more. There really is. And the gap in playoff minutes between LeBron and Melo is even bigger because Melo has not Doesn't make the playoffs very much. Exactly. Doesn't go very far. So then I went further down the list looking for active players with a comparable workload. And you get to Dwight Howard, 64th all time at 35,754 minutes. Or Chris Paul, 116th all time. 31,493. So again, these, these these discrepancies are he's, eye-popping. He's played a tremendous amount of minutes. But here, by okay. the way, is the one that I that really, if I may be a little bit morbid, when Kobe tore his Achilles, he had logged 45,390 regular season minutes plus another 8,641 in the postseason, grand total 54,031 minutes in total pre-Achilles tear. I don't count anything that happened after that. LeBron has lapped that sum total by 300 minutes and counting. Right. He's played a lot of minutes. What he's doing, forget just that he's played a lot of minutes, what he's doing is unprecedented. Yes. And because it's unprecedented, I am very skeptical that you can keep it up. They well, have to find ways to reduce his minutes, I Brian. think I, I am... Not not just the way they play him. Yes, they yeah. need to find opportunities to take him off his feet. I think that's period. probably true. I will say, though, I'm far less concerned about the total number of minutes than the type of minutes. Um, I think the problem with LeBron's minutes... Um, can you just run through that list of stats again? I will. Just from the beginning, if you I wouldn't will. mind. Like, the whole thing. I want to hear them all again. Um, I think... Well, I wanted to show off, too, the work that I did. No, I did a, I did a lot of work for this thing. I could have just tweeted out the post. <laughs> I did tweet out the post, but... I meant again. No. Um, <laughs> I want people... I, I want people... To be able to understand the material in the post, Andy, will be, Andy will be releasing an audiobook of him reading. Well, we already the established post. too, by the way, included in your athletic subscription. I will come over and orate <laughs> my pieces. It just has to be on my schedule. That's right. I'm not going to work around yours. You work around mine. I, I just I feel like 
to I'm me, very like, busy. the difference between 36 and 34 isn't a big deal. It's the difference. I disagree. Because I, I, it, it I adds understand. up over the course of a I season. Know, I know exactly how much. I can do the math. Um, Not as well as me, though. I did it. <laughs> I just, I don't, I mean, it's 160 minutes. I I'd like to get his minutes down to 33 a night. Okay. But I, again, I will say the difference between 36 and 33, which is then now you're talking 240 minutes, is less significant than when they come. It's less significant in how they come and what they are. And the, the, if this plan of LeBron not having to do all of the work that he's done comes true, then I think if he plays 35 or 36 minutes a night, it, it, would, it will be like playing 31 or 32. Because the problem in Cleveland last year was that it wasn't just that he was playing 37, 38 a night and then you know 47 in the playoffs and all that. It's because he was doing all the work. They have to be. It's very similar to the Rams. Like they got now that you have Todd Gurley signed, you got to figure out how to use him less. If you want him to get to the end of that contract, if you want LeBron to get to the end of this contract and still be LeBron, you have to figure out how to get him to do less. I agree. I am not. I think focusing just on minutes. Well, I'm not focusing just on no, minutes. I'm, I think, I'm including I, it all. I think a fo- minutes are shorthand for the larger discussion. Minutes are batting average. There, you know, there's things like that where you get a ERA, you get a quick idea. Okay, I mean, I can tell you some of the things that's going on here. It doesn't tell you everything, but it's shorthand. Your broad point, though, is exactly right. The Lakers do need to figure out how to to, to make sure he is not working as hard uh, because or otherwise, often. or it's not going to work um, because. At some point, maybe he he stops defying everything that we know about human physiology. I don't I don't think he's going to do like the I don't think he's going to have a fast decline. I think the LeBron decline is a is a much slower one. But you also want to mitigate that as much as possible. Well, and also too, you want to try you want to try to get the most out of LeBron, the youngest that he is. Meaning you have to pace this thing because the worst thing that can happen is you accelerate that decline. Earlier on, well, well, at least at the very least, before the Lakers are ready to do it. Like the, you don't want to use up too much of it this year. I agree. Next year, hopefully, okay, fine. Put on, turn on the gas, and let's see what happens. Um, you know, you sign Kawhi, you do whatever. This year, though, when you really don't have a realistic path to a championship, uh, because the Lakers aren't going to be better than Golden State if they're healthy, they're not. I don't think they're going to be better than Houston, although they could win that series. Um, you know, I, th- I think Boston is overall going to be a better team than the Lakers this year. There's some, there's stuff in the way. Yep. Um, you don't want to use it all up this year. You Agreed. Know, wait at least until you have a chance to win. Um, so all, you put all those things together. This is why the Lakers are so much fun to think about and talk about and why they're going to be on TV 7 billion times this year is because even by you – know, we're not going to know what this is. 10 games in, 20 no. games in. It's going to be a different deal 40 games in than it was in 20. It's going to be different at 60 than it was in 40. And it's going to be different at 80 than it was at 60. Absolutely. And so watching this evolve is going to be actually a thing that people can do all year long. Whereas we know what the Warriors are. And they're either going to get less bored or more bored. They're going to sort of find fun things to do with Boogie or they're not. But other than that, that's it. Yeah. I don't need to see them on national TV 64 times like the Lakers are going to be to understand what that team is. Yeah, they, they, 
the evolution of this team, you mentioned Golden State. One of the things about the schedule that I actually like how it laid out is the Lakers' first game is Christmas against the Warriors, um, as far as the first time they meet up. And then they they play again on MLK Day, and then they play again in February, and then they play in April, like maybe like the third or fourth last game of the season. Right. And I and I like how it's sort of spread out nicely. Spread it's spread out nicely, and, but the first opportunity comes after the Lakers have had a legitimate time to gel. You know, by December twenty fifth, they've had some time together. You know, they're not fully baked, but they've had enough time that you can at least start evaluating. Right, but it, and it's also what too, they that are ability to sort of see it right like, evolve that, over the but, course. But I'm of the glad. Year. But I'm glad though that the evolution against the Warriors doesn't begin in say mid November. Because you've had the team has had so little right, time that together. Right, that first game would be meaningless. Ex- exactly. So I, I I like the I think it's very potentially informative. You know, even if you think it's cart ahead of the horse to judge the Lakers against the Warriors now, it's still potentially informative. Sure, it's the and exact like opposite, that. by the way, of the Portland deal where they play Portland three times in like the first twenty games <laughs> and then not until the last game of the season. Yeah, like that's weird. That's yes, just it is. weird. Yes, it is. Um, all right, so the Clippers have done something I think is that's getting a little bit of attention. They have technically they didn't fire Bruce Bowen; they declined to bring him back. Um, if you remember back in June, it was Bruce Bowen who was on Sirius XM Radio and he was saying all kinds of critical things about Kawhi Leonard. You may have heard Andy Kawhi Leonard is on the radar of the Los Angeles Clippers, and so rather than have a guy doing uh, analyst work for them, and technically Fox Sports West. But we all know, like the teams have a strong influence on yes. on how these things work out. They didn't bring him back, and that is one hundred percent messaging. Yeah, for Team Kawhi. Mm-hmm. I feels think, like something Uncle Dennis would enjoy. It's, it's all this. It's like uh, yeah, we are far more interested in you and making you feel comfortable here because you know there's still a lot of you know Kawhi wants to come to L.A prefer to come to the Lakers, but doesn't have to be. Maybe. I mean, I think if there's one thing we've learned through the Kawhi Leonard saga is that it's impossible to get a bead on what Kawhi Leonard actually wants moving forward, and I'm not 100% convinced he knows what he wants moving forward. That may be true, but I, I think if you, there are two factors in play here. First of all, if he wants to come back to L.A., there are two options. Yep. If he wants to come uh, – a few, yeah, so – Three counting the JBA. That's true. <laughs> he dominated. You want a Cadillac or don't you? I mean, look, if, if Leangelo can be MVP of that league, think I'm what Kawhi not could sure do. Sure, Kawhi, if he played in that league, would be able to be MVP. <laughs> there are two players who play in the JBA who are allowed to win MVP, and neither one of them are named Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi I... Leonard goes score seventy eight points a game on ninety three percent shooting. Well, it's only because Leangelo and Lamelo put him in that right, position to up. succeed. Right? They they know how to win. Well, they, exactly. I mean, they, think of everything. Think of everything that Kawhi learned from playing with Leangelo and Lamelo. <laughs> um, so, I I think there's that. I think the fact I, Lakers fans like to mock the Clippers because. It's easy, mm-hmm. um, and it's fun, mm-hmm. and it's justified. Mm-hmm. But do not forget, Steve Ballmer is, I believe, still the richest owner in North American team sports. He is the he's willing to build an arena in Inglewood that I can't possibly see how it makes any money um, because it's like it's not going to be filled very often. 
just out of spite, just because he wants that thing there so his team can play. Like that's fu money on like the eleven billion that yes, he will spend. Is. What needs to be spent to make the Clippers into a championship caliber team? So that's a thing. It's you're not dealing with the Donald Sterling Clippers anymore. You got a guy who wants to spend money and wants to win. And as far as I can tell, doesn't even have like a job. <laughs> like all he does is this. Like he's that, you know what does he do? Steve Ballmer, like during the day, like what's Steve Ballmer doing right now? <laughs> he's not at the office, is he? I imagine. I don't know. I I would think he's somewhere loudly shouting. I mean, that seems to be just what he does he's, at all times. He's time. looking at like different templates for Clippers uniforms or what the court might look I mean, like. He's coming up with an even uglier logo. As far, possibly, as far as I know, this is all he does at this point in his life. Um, and so, like you have that, and then the third thing is, it's one thing to. You're talking about like the next tier of guys down. You need a second star, a third star, or whatever. The Paul George type guys. Um, Kawhi is in that group of top five players who may or may not want to actually play with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to be in, you know, the Lakers will sell him on it, it's an evolution. Lebr- it's LeBron's team now, it will be yours in two or three years when LeBron's older and you're 30. Um, you know, and all that kind of stuff in this transition or whatever. But Kawhi's won a title. He's been a, a finals MVP. Certain guys don't want to go and be in someone's shadow. He has earned the right not to be in someone's shadow, to have somebody come and be in his. And so if he doesn't want to be Robin, which is how he'll be perceived, then it makes more sense to go to the Clippers. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a real thing. He could also like the idea of coming be, being able to play for the Lakers and have all all of the heat go on the other guy because they don't want to talk. So there's I'm not saying there's the Lakers aren't appealing. I'm just saying the Clippers are live. They are very live in this process. Um, and this type of move is for the Clippers what's available to them. It is in a lot of ways the same type of signaling that the Lakers did when they signed Contavious Caldwell Pope to a one year eighteen million dollar contract. Not as effective, but it's it's not the same thing either. But it's that type of move where you are throwing up a big neon sign to the player. Well, I mean, what what it is, and this is this is the what the Clippers could do to the best of their capabilities because they had no ability to bring in Kawhi Leonard right now. I mean, Uncle Dennis doesn't have any other clients that they can sign. Well, he doesn't have any other clients, and also too, I mean, their their best offer for Kawhi wasn't going to be nearly as good as the Spurs' best offer or or, or the Raptor. You know what right. I'm saying? Like they, their ability to bring they didn't in, have, they had nothing. To, they couldn't trade. They couldn't match. They couldn't match the Raptors' offers. What I inelegantly meant to say, but this is the closest thing that they could do to match like what OKC did or with Paul George or what the Raptors did with Kawhi bringing him in, making it clear just how badly they want you. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know the what helped Oklahoma City sell Paul George beyond just giving him the time in that culture, the time with Russell Westbrook, and they've apparently developed a really good friendship. You know, the, the type of advantages that come with having the guy in the building, they took a massive risk trading for Paul George. Mm-hmm. And they made it very clear that unlike the Lakers, they were not going to take for granted that Paul George would eventually be on their team. And, and look, I, I'm not saying this to slag on the Lakers move. It was defensible. It was def- it was totally I, defensible. I agree, but there was a risk involved with it, and there was a risk that I identified. At right, the time. and I think and some of this is is the psychology of Paul George, and some of it. I but think I just is, think is, the, the, it never hurts to make it crystal clear how badly you want a guy on your team, a part of your organization, as yeah. opposed to giving off signals that you take for granted they'll be there one way or another. And 
You know, so I think I think that's this is an interesting little silo, and it will be one of I think many things that the Clippers do over the course of the year to try to make it clear to Kawhi that both they are the place to be and they want him. Like he is their guy. It's not it's not going to be LeBron's team. It's Kawhi's team. They should find out if he likes condors or not. And get an excuse to get rid of that stupid thing or rename the team. If, what if he loves condors? Then you become the L.A. Condors, the Los Angeles Dennises. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the logo couldn't be any worse. God, it is a really ugly logo. Yeah, they really screwed that up. Um, anywho, uh, you did mention we did mention Lavar briefly, um, and beyond making fun of the JBA. The because J, the because J, it's there. Is it the JB? Is it the JBA or the JBL? It's it's the JBL. It's is it it's either the JBA league, league. or the, it's JBL the JBL association? No, it's the JBA league. Right. It's, which is, it, there's a redundancy in what, there, which somewhere. they do for all their branding. Right. I forget. It's either the JBL or whatever it is. Um, you know, kudos to whichever one won the MVP. Leangelo didn't, didn't see that coming. No. Um, I mean, the generals the really bi- gave some good games this year. The bigger thing about it is, and he's done the stupid thing where he's like, you know, it's, it's Lavar, it is uh, Alonzo's team. You know, Alonzo was here first, not Le- 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 LeBron's team. And basically, that sort of stupidity that uh, you know Lavar was spouting off was received with. I'm not even sure it got even a shrug. Crickets. Like most people, even I don't even knew he said it. Crickets. Um, we may be informing people right, right. now that he like, said so it. So, yeah, if you didn't hear that, you know, LeVar went on something and was like, you know, it's Lonzo's team and all that stuff. Here's the exact quote. How's it going to be LeBron's team? He ain't homegrown. You say what you want, but you know what it is. Lonzo didn't go to Cleveland. LeBron came here. We already over here. We are already over here. That is true. Um it's stupid and, and wrong. Um, I'm not even sure it's Lonzo's team, Fort's Ingram's team, or Kuzma's team. <laughs> Might have fallen down. Well, on they the did make the, they did make the public declaration last but year. The question becomes: Are on the one hand we could be past Lavar, like have we officially sort of retired Lavar as a as a relevant thing? Like in a world where LeBron is a Laker, does anything Lavar says? Or does matter because ultimately it's just like whatever we got LeBron and if Lonzo like Lonzo in a lot of ways is like Lance Stevenson it's like if it becomes that big of a pain in the ass fine we'll just trade him no but I I disagree with that in the sense that you start getting into the opportunity costs of using your second overall pick on Lonzo Ball when you when you already knew when you already knew or they should have known and unfortunately for the Lakers. I think they've been genuinely surprised at the outset of what a pain in the ass LeVar Ball can be because it's something they should have recognized right from the jump. There's an opportunity it call. It seem easy. You know, I mean, only to people paying attention. Like, it's no, it, it, the I, opportunity right. cost from having to ship away your second overall pick. Didn't say there wasn't because a downside. The, right, but you said it's basically like Lance Stevenson. No, it's not. It, it's a much bigger deal. But the, No, it's like Lance Stevenson in the sense of, you don't need Lonzo in the way that you used to need Lonzo. Lonzo's leverage over the organization is significantly lower now than it used to be. It is, but at the same time, if Lonzo is to meet his potential or even close to it or what the Lakers thought was his potential when they took him, Lonzo matters because he can make make LeBron's life 
Lonzo's a big reason that people think LeBron's life can be made easier of course. as I'm, a Laker. I'm so again, I, I'm, I'm not saying there's no push okay. back on this. I'm not saying there's no upside, and I'm not saying there's no downside if it doesn't work. All I'm saying is it's not what it used to be, and this idea of the amount of stuff if you have to, you know, if you have to pull the ripcord on Lonzo because of Lavar, it's it's less impactful now than it used to be, and it's easier to do now than it used to be because you have LeBron James. And so that's on the one hand, like I think you you it, Lavar's influence and relevance, and people think like he was never relevant. You're wrong. Is far less now than it used to be. That's good. The problem becomes well, if Lavar fights that, what exactly does that look like? And could at least for a little bit, like if Lavar cranks it up to. To 15 on the 1 to 10 scale just because he feels like he needs to have that attention, will it matter? Yeah, I mean, we're right now we're not in the right position to gauge how like how the effect w- with LeVar will be moving forward because it's the offseason and we have no access to LeBron. So the ability to address these comments directly with LeBron, we don't have it right now. And I don't know how much LeBron will or will not. He's not going to talk about LeVar at all. But it's going to, it's going to get old, though. Like the idea of having to even deal with it will but get if old. He, I'm just wondering. I'm wondering. Like, does he crank it up? Oh, I think what does will. it look like? I think, I mean, I think. Look, we've talked before about how, not politically, but just in terms of branding model, LeVar Ball is very similar to President Trump. They as just a pure branding model. They lean into controversy. They make sure their voice is the loudest possible, and they look to instigate and agitate. And one habit we've seen with the president is when he feels boxed in, he lashes out. I mean, it's a, a, again, forget the politics of it. I'm just saying this is an obvious fact. And I think LeVar Ball will react in the exact same way. He might. If he feels like his relevance is being boxed in, I think he is going to lash out in, in seeking attention more than he ever has before, even though in terms of the long play for Lonzo, it's a terrible idea. Right, and I, and I think, you know, is obviously we don't know the answers to any of these things. We can, you know, get in the hypothetical. I will say, though, I wonder if any of that, because, like, the, we're talking about the president when he lashes out, he's the president. Sure. And, you know, the, the by by definition, it matters. what he says matters. Yes. And all this. LeVar, I, if we have reached peak... Lavar, not in terms of people watching the Facebook thing or go out and buy the shoes, or whatever. I don't pay attention to that. Certain things happen that may make show that they have relevance in a certain demo that's larger than I give them credit for. I don't want to, that's not the discussion we have, but like in the broader conversation where stuff Lavar says drives the news cycle in ways that it did last year as Lonzo was coming into league, all these other things. I mean, LeVar Ball could drive the news cycle for a week at a time. I don't think I don't think in a LeBron world that his path to being able to do that is particularly easy without doing bleep that is so extreme and so absurd. And you can kind of only do that once that, I, 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 I am, well, you can only am, do it once to have it be effective, but you can do it multiple times if you're simply trying to grab the attention. Right, but then, if, but it doesn't. My point is, if it doesn't work, it doesn't I, matter. We'll, we'll, I, I am we'll cautious, know when the season. I am begins. cautiously optimistic that we are we have we have reached peak Lavar and are actually 
coming down. We'll the see. I, I hope that's the case. We're really not going to know, though, until the season begins because we just don't have access to the players. We don't have the ability to generate the news cycles in terms of getting commentary and getting reaction. That's part, that's part of what does this. Uh, so we're, we're yeah, really not, right. not going to know for sure. I, I, I tend to agree that we're in a decline and that we very, we very well may have reached the shark-jumping moment for LeVar. But we're just not going to know. He just keeps. He's jumped over a million sharks. I just feel like we. You know, like Fonzie only did it once. The difference is, it's like it. It, it, it just in, on a team with LeBron. It's like okay, doesn't matter. Like it, it may not. It may not matter. Just, his relevance instantly went down. Which it, is great. His relevance went down, but I, I, I'm not convinced yet that it doesn't matter. We'll see. Well, there's a big gap though between where it was and it completely irrelevant there's I know, a no, lot of space I, in there yes so you know a strong decline might not make him completely irrelevant right but it, it's it changes the landscape significantly uh quick word on mellow i think you know we'll see what happens in houston um that they, they are not better off this offseason for having signed mellow and letting you know or, you know it's a reason mellow and ennis james ennis and Mbamute. swapping out for a reason and lucas and Mbamute. they're worse off for that um, Melo says he's going to come off the bench and all those. Well, things. no, actually, maybe not. I could come off the bench, maybe not. Though. But that's certainly more in seems more in play now than it was in Oklahoma City. You could hear Daryl, uh, you know, Sam Presti's eyes rolling around in his skull. What I think is fascinating about Melo and Kobe, I think, is lucky to some degree that his career ended when it did, because Melo is a remnant. Of a of a of an era in basket uh, in basketball that just doesn't exist anymore. He's a type of player that isn't valued in the same way that he used to be. He has a skill set that isn't diverse. Um, it's never had to be diverse uh, in the way that it certainly could have been. I mean, he's an incredibly talented guy. He probably could do whatever he wanted. Um, and sort of too old to become something completely different unless he really wants to be. And because of that, if he doesn't crush it in Houston, the whole concept and the perception of we have of this guy, which is already dinged by the fact he's not going to win, he hasn't won a ring. I don't think he's going to win one in Houston. Um, you know, he's got this perception of being kind of the worst kind of superstar that can never lead you to a ring and all this other stuff has overshadowed the fact that, I mean, he's what at worst one of the 75 best players to ever play basketball. Like he's going to the Hall of Fame, should be quickly and all that kind of stuff. Like how we the gap between how we think of Carmelo Anthony and what he actually did as a professional basketball player has the potential to be as big as any player of the modern era. I mean, it's it's fascinating to me. Yeah, and and this really is Brian the last chance I think Melo has to have his career wrap up in a way that feels positive because the way things went out in New York was incredibly negative. His period in Oklahoma City was at best awkward. And, you know, you you hear a he lot was of praise for his attitude, right? As I, he, I was going to say, it's but a, the, the actual he was he played poorly. Yes, I mean, you hear a lot of reports that you know he really did try to make this work sure. there. He wasn't a jerk. He no, played very poorly. And this really feels like the last opportunity that he has. You know, he'll stay in the league another few more years if he wants. But if he wants, but this is the last opportunity I think he has to remain not just relevant but relevant in a positive way. Like at, at this if point, if he doesn't want to if he doesn't want to evolve into a Vince Carter type guy 
and wants to be something like happy I wonder, to be a role I wonder player. if he's even capable of that. Oh, I don't think he is. Right. Um, but I'm saying, which is fine if you're if you're not capable of it, own I, it. It's one of the things I, I always respected about Kobe. Kobe. So I'm not doing that. Right, I'm not being that. I'm not, I mean, Kobe could play as long as he wants, but like, I'm not going to be a sixth man. I'm not going to be a seventh man. I'm not going to play 17 minutes no, a night. I I'm respect be that me, about or I'm Kobe. not going to play. And you know, I, I feel like you know, he, Kobe was a, Kobe is a better, much better player than Carmelo, um, and. You know, if Kobe decided one day he wanted to play point guard, he could be one of Always the best point guards Co- in the league. If Kobe had wanted to be a point guard, he would have been a Hall of Fame point guard. Just, you know, he was that skilled. But in terms of his basic wiring as a player and what he was, he was, it was, he, if he were four years older, like the last few years of his career as he would play now would have been really weird because yeah. he just doesn't fit. That Kobe, unless he changed his game, which he certainly could have, uh, didn't fit with how the game is played now. What is valued in the same way now, and all of that kind of stuff. Even just the mentality of the the alpha est of alpha males with the you know, whatever the orbit is around them, and they, like it's just it's it's all different. We now. we see the closest player we have. You know, the closest young player that we have to Kobe is Russell Westbrook. Yes. And Westbrook is a guy that nobody can quite agree on how he fits into this era. Everybody agrees that he's awesome. Right. And he's an amazing talent. And how effective he actually is. Exactly. Like, you know, there is still a lot of debate, you know, similar to it was to Kobe. You know, you're talking about two MVP winners. There is a lot of debate as to how much... Westbrook helps you win. Right, he's gotten them like close much, to final. Right. You know, he and Durant have gotten them very close right. to the finals but there, But there is a long-standing debate, and it's only gotten louder and more enthusiastic since Durant went to Golden State, about how much Westbrook actually helps you win in the modern NBA. Yeah, and it's it's you know, when Carmelo's out of the league for five years, I mean, we'll have this conversation with Westbrook differently, only because Westbrook's numbers are going to be so much better than Carmelo's. And he's and more versatile he's as more, an offensive and player. And he'll fit into a different echelon of nba players even if he never wins a title than carmelo but like carmelo like we're gonna bag on Melo. yeah like he's gonna be out of the league four or five years or whatever and people are gonna just constantly bag on him in a way that like it's like wait a second here like why like if you're not one of the like the it's almost like the point like if you're not one of like the five best players of all time like you sucked. Yeah. Like you might as well be, you know, a, a, a journeyman. You might as well be, you know, some, you know, Michael Beasley. You might as well be. There's no difference. Ireland does this all the time. Like, oh, he's just a guy. Well, no, he's not. I mean, like, no. <laughs> oh, you can't win a title with him. He's just a guy. Well, okay, fine. But a guy like a B plus in this league is not just a guy. Yeah. And Carmelo's been better Lamar, than a B plus. Lamar Odom could never have been the focal point of a championship team. Pau Gas- a hell of a lot more than right. just a Pau guy. Gasol could have never been the focal point of a championship team. Those were amazing players. The yeah. Lakers don't win their two most recent championships without those two guys. Yeah, and so it's just it, 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 like not everybody in the league could have been Lamar Odom's and I, role. And on the I Lakers. say this as a guy who was screaming as loud as I could. That the idea the Lakers should go out and get Carmelo Anthony was like the single worst idea ever invented by anyone. Yeah, you and I like, both screamed. It was a just, lot. it was just a terrible idea. Um, but I, that said, it's like I, he's a flawed dude, but, and we can criticize him, but I mean, come on, like yeah. let's not let's let's he is I, I'm I'm 
very confident in, in evaluating how people are going to think about Mello when he's gone, particularly, like you say, Andy, if it doesn't quite work in Houston because he tried to be a, a, you know, a team guy in, in Oklahoma City. He was, but he didn't play well. Yeah. And like the, the legacy of how he plays um, is – and because he was always seen as a guy who wasn't a quote-unquote winner since he got from Syracuse um, – Post career mellow legacy is going to be a interesting conversation. Yes. Um, real quick before we go, we, we mentioned at the top of the show, Aretha Franklin uh, died today at the age of 76. It was f- funny. I was thinking about this. Like, she's almost so big and famous and iconic in, in what she is. I would imagine there are a lot of people, and I'm including myself in here to some degree, like, I've heard the catalog and what. I don't listen to Aretha Franklin music as much as I should, given how awesome it is. And it's just one of those things that I think most people just sort of accept. It's Aretha Franklin. She's amazing. And then you don't actually listen to all the stuff. So I, I you know, I, you know, I've like many people have been listening. You, know, you go back even from a few days ago when people knew she was gravely ill, kind of listen to a little bit more and all the stuff. It's like you just with some people are so iconic. You forget to actually go and investigate why. You take them for granted. Mark Twain's books are so good, you forget to go read them. <laughs> like things, like stuff like that, you kind of take it for granted. So um, that's, well, there's, there's I, the- I would imagine my experience of that is, is similar to a lot of other people, even with myself ha- probably having listened to more of it over time than, than other people. Well, I mean, there's no debating her. I mean, there's no debating the talent and the voice and the expressiveness, the power that she brought to her music, the soul that she brought to her music. I mean, she, the queen of soul was a very apt nickname. Right, there wasn't anybody else. It's like it's, there's no Rolling Stones versus the Beatles argument no. with Aretha Franklin. Yeah, yeah uh, Bomani Jones, who you know is as good a source on music thoughts as anybody you'll find, uh, had a great tweet. There's not much to say about Aretha that's hyperbole. She was just that good. The list of great American singers starts with her. I don't care who you put after. She was everything. And one of the things I was thinking about with Aretha Franklin, Brian, I think you'll appreciate this because it's something we both enjoy a lot. The ability to turn a cover into your own song Mm -hmm. and like, you know, where you you often can forget that the original existed. A lot of people consider all along the watchtower sort of the gold standard for this. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, his version has led people to forget that Bob, Bob Dylan wrote the song. It's a Bob right. Dylan song. And, you know, Jimi Hendrix owns that song. And there are a lot, lot of tracks from Aretha Franklin where you get that. I mean, the most famous is Respect. Uh, the, and this is Otis Redding. Yeah. You know, Otis Redding was a legend. You know, he's one of the all-time greats in his genre. And you forget that the Otis Redding version of Respect, which is really good, was even his or even existed there's I a, don't think I don't think 80% of people are just sort of casual listening maybe even 100% there's a there's a great if, if you can find it on YouTube I'm sure the the Monterey Pop Festival in 67 it's it's best known for the concert that Jimi Hendrix uh, lit his guitar on fire played the guitar with his teeth all that stuff but Otis Redding performed at it and before he did respect uh, he started out by saying to the crowd this is a song that a girl took away from me a good friend of mine this girl, she just took it from me, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and and it's true. And then I started thinking about other examples of that with Aretha Franklin and you know, and the people that she took the songs from. You make me feel like a natural woman. Carol King. 
Bridge Over Troubled Water, Simon and Garfunkel, Eleanor Rigby, The Beatles, Let It Be, The Beatles, The Wait, The Band, Say a Little Prayer, Diane Warwick. I mean, these are massive artists that if Aretha Franklin didn't take the songs from them entirely, she made them their equal. Their own, you know, she made them her own. And to do that that many times with material that great to begin with. And then you have all of your, your own stuff. It just, spe- it just it. speaks to how singular a talent she was. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a, it's one of those deals that, like I said, I, I thought she was older. I didn't realize, you know, 76 in this day and age is not super oh, old. Well, it's not super old. It's not, geez, I didn't, didn't realize they were, you know, still alive or, you know, so somebody dies at night. If somebody died last week, they were like 90 something. Oh, Charlotte Ray. Yes. She was like 91 or 92. It's like, you're sad, but you celebrate that person's life. Aretha Franklin wasn't quite old enough where you just, like, you don't feel the loss because she could, she was still a vibrant presence I mean, in music. I mean, look, know, just collaborating with hip hop artists and all two, kinds of uh, stuff. 2015, a few years ago, she did that rendition she, of she, Make Me Feel Like Natural for Woman. Carol at, King. For Carol King. Kennedy Center. Moved then President Obama to tears. Right. Um, and so, like, it's not quite that place where you just are in pure celebrate her life space. But I would say, and I'm going to do it like a lot of people, go back and 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 re-educate yourself as to why she was put at you know on on the top of the Mount Rushmore of singers. Um, because like a lot of people, like I said, I I know why and I accepted it. To the point that I didn't listen to the music enough. Yeah, also, too, uh, with that re-education, make sure that you go out of your way to learn at least a little bit about her work as a civil rights activist and just this force for feminism and female empowerment Mm -hmm. because she mattered a lot along both of those lines. Um, All right, so we are – when does camp start? When did get? When is? I was gonna say we're getting closer to when the stuff's gonna happen, but are we? I really hope are we getting so. closer to no, when? Yeah, not I really. Think. No, I mean we still got another solid. I, you know, we'll we'll try to come up with things to say. But I'm not gonna lie to you. Like if you if you listen to the next like four podcasts, and you're like, guys, it's a little thin. Don't say we didn't warn you. Yeah, <laughs> at least we're not phoning it in. It no, may be thin, but we're not phoning no. it in. We put a lot of thought in. That's this. right. See you next time. <laughs>